Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from the members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called. Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, We have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witnesses who testified, This fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you um, so much, Hannah, for reading for us this morning. Should we just pray um, before I begin? Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of your word. Thank you for the privilege that it is to open the Bible and to let it speak. Thank you for this account that we have of the life of the early church here in Acts. And I pray that you would speak to us through what is written here and the things that you have laid on my heart this morning. Amen. Well, thank you so much again, Joe, for your invitation to be here. It's a real treat for me. I don't know if it was a coincidence to come from St. Stephen's to speak about Stephen, but if it was, that was expert planning there. I'm very impressed with that. But um, I understand from Joe that at the moment you're focusing on vision, so with Jesus, like Jesus, for everyone, and you've kind of journeyed through that so far in the autumn term. And with that in mind, I'd love to just speak a little to that, if that's okay, from the passage this morning. And I've got kind of two reflections on Stephen. But before I get to that, I just want to share a sort of particular word which has been on my heart for you this morning. I hope that's okay. And that kind of came to me as I was praying and looking back through the Acts narrative. And what struck me really clearly as I was sort of reading through up until this passage here in chapter 6 is how much the early believers do things together. Together seems to be a really key word. In Acts 1, after the ascension, when they all go to the upper room together where they're staying, it says in the text that they devote themselves to prayer together. In Acts 2, when it's Pentecost and the Holy Spirit comes, it says they were all gathered together in one place. In Acts 3, Peter and John go to the temple together. In Acts 4, when they're released from prison, Peter and John, they return to their friends and they start singing together. In Acts 5, it says there were signs and wonders happening amongst them when they were all together. (laughs) You get the idea. Again and again and again, these believers in the early church were together. 
I think COVID changed something quite fundamental for us, didn't it? In that we got used to not being together. We got used to working much more in isolation, not being around each other so much. But I think there's a basic reminder here in Acts that as you read the narrative through and the church is seeking to grow in strength, to push into its vision, they're doing it together. And this seems so key, whether it's praying or eating or singing, or sometimes they're just walking somewhere, but they go together. My experience of building deep Christian relationships that have strength is that it takes time. But I just wanted to encourage you with that word this morning and also just share a little story that really encouraged me this week about life together as God's people. Back in 2019, my husband and I, who've been at St. Stephen's for just over a year, felt that it was about time for us to establish our own little small group. But we were in lockdown at the time, and so we started a little group on Zoom, and there was only about eight of us when we began, and so we did about a term on Zoom, and then the restrictions eased, and we began to be able to meet a little bit in person with this small group, so we hosted a few meals at our home, and we, you know, tried to get a bit of momentum on our WhatsApp chat, but I'll be honest, like, it was really hard work, and people didn't really commit and people would sort of come to one and then they would miss three and they would come again and I remember so often my husband just saying should we just knock it on the head this is really hard work trying to get people to commit to gathering together but we felt that the Lord was saying keep going just keep going trying to gather these people together At the beginning of this term, for various reasons, it was looking as though my husband and I couldn't actually commit to lead the group in the way that we were on Wednesday evenings. And so we approached somebody else in the group and we said to her, would you mind taking on, just for this term, the kind of oversight of this group? And it could have gone either way. We weren't sure if it might just all sort of fall apart or whether she would fly with it. But what happened this week really encouraged me because somebody in that group posted on the WhatsApp group, I'm moving house next week, can anybody come and help me? And I thought, oh my gosh, no one's going to reply. <laughs> Four people said, I'll be there, I'll be there, I'll be there. I thought, oh, this is great. And then they gathered on Wednesday and they sent us through this little picture of them all together at somebody's home and it turns out that somebody in the group is in hospital and it was her husband's birthday and they'd done this like surprise party and they'd eaten together and they'd got him a cake and they'd done all this stuff and they posted it on the group this selfie of them and I was like that's the fruit of life together it was a picture in a way that reminded me here of this life together of the early church of them just gathering enjoying one another's company within Christian community and caring for one another. It really encouraged me that in those evenings a year or so ago where it felt like no one was really committed, that actually it was the right thing to just keep going and doing stuff together. 
And so I just wanted to start with that as a little encouragement, but also to say, I think in what God is calling you to do as you push into your vision, don't minimize or underestimate the power of doing things together, whether it's praying or worshiping or whether it's just eating being part of small little groups. And if you're someone who's heading up a little group like that and you think, oh my gosh, is this ever going to be fruitful? My encouragement to you this morning is to say, keep on going. God is at work in ways that you may never imagine and the fruit of which you might see later on. But secondly, these two thoughts that I want to share with you about Stephen. Stephen is a saint within the church. That's why we are Saint Stephen's. And this past week, we had All Hallows Day, didn't we? Which is the commemoration of the saints. So we don't worship saints. We worship Jesus. But the saints are an important part of our Christian heritage and tradition because we can be inspired by them and the lives that they lived. And so what they do and what they say matters, which is why we spend a bit of time this morning looking at the life of Stephen, Saint Stephen. Here in the text, Stephen is introduced in verse 8 as a man full of God's grace and power. Full of God's grace and power. So here's the question, how do we get full like Stephen? How do we become people who are full of God's grace and power? I have two young boys, as I said earlier, who are seven and five, and they eat an extraordinary amount of food. I know, Joe, that you have boys, so maybe you have the same issue in your household. But on Mondays and Wednesdays, I pay for my kids to go to an after-school club at their school. So I've paid for them to have a cooked lunch, and then I've paid for, as part of this after-school club, for them to have like a tea at this club. But what happens whenever I pick them up, the first thing they say to me is, have you got anything to eat? And so I take all manner of snacks with me in my bag, and I give them the snacks on the way home, but they're just absolutely ravenous at the end of the day. In fact, they're so cranky that my husband has made a reward chart in our home that basically says, being kind to mum even when I'm hungry, and they have to get a star if they manage to do it because they're so foul to me when they're hungry. And we get in and then we start, you know, making porridge and Weetabix and toast and fruit, and I'm like, fill them and fill them and fill them to try and stop them being hungry. But here's the thing, for them to be full, I have to keep filling them. Stephen was full, not of Weetabix, like my boys, but full of God's grace and power, which means, I think, that he kept being filled. He kept being filled in order that he would be full. So how do we fill ourselves up in order that we are full of all that God wants to fill us with, primarily here, his grace and his power to live out the lives he has called us to live. For me, that filling takes place early 
in the morning. It has to be before anybody else in my household gets up, that I get up with my cup of tea and my Bible, and I always sit in the same chair, and I spend some time with Jesus, and I'm filling myself up with his presence, with his grace for the day ahead. Do you know there is no shortcut to this first part of your vision, which is with Jesus. You can't fast track it or compress it or think that it will happen automatically. There is no shortcut to being with Jesus. You just have to be with Jesus and be filled with him and his Holy Spirit. I sometimes have a little prayer for my life, which is like an image prayer. I sometimes find it easier to pray with images. And I have an image of a, a sponge. And if you put a sponge in a bath of water and you completely submerge it so that it's like literally totally full, what happens then when you take the sponge out of the bath, if you were to hold it over the bathroom floor, is you wouldn't even need to squeeze it. It would just pour, wouldn't it, with all that was in it. The water would pour out of it. Now, often I think about my own life, and I think, gosh, could I be so full of Jesus' presence and grace in me that actually you don't even need to poke me. Like, it will just pour out of me all that Jesus has poured into me? What does it look like? How can we fill ourselves so that we are a bit like that? That's my first question this morning, and it'll be different for each of us. How do we get full? Stephen was full of God's grace and power. What might that look like for you? I'm going to take my earring out because I think it's bashing on There we go, that's better, isn't it? <laughs> Secondly, it says in the text, verse 10, Stephen was full of wisdom. In Acts 6, actually, he's described several times as being full of wisdom. And the word in the Greek for wisdom is Sophia. And it actually means somebody who had deep knowledge and insight. Scholars think that Stephen was about 29 when he died, when this happened to him, when he was seized, when he speaks, and then later on in the text, he's martyred. He was 29, which makes the point, doesn't it, clearly to us that you don't have to be old to be wise, to be full of wisdom and knowledge and insight. I think we sometimes think that being wise is just about having lots of life experience. People who have kind of seen it all before, we think, oh, that must be a mark of wisdom. But actually, I wonder if there's a danger sometimes that if you've seen it all before, you kind of end up a bit cynical. Maybe actually we should detach wisdom from age. Stephen was 29, and yet the text describes him as being full of God's wisdom. On Tuesday, I spent the day at St. Stephen's Primary where my children are, and we did a 
Q&A. And so I had all of year five and all of year six in this massive semicircle around me. And I was sat on one of those little children's chairs. It's actually quite intimidating for about an hour. And they just fired all their questions at me about faith. So I did heaven and hell and dinosaurs and the creation and suffering and other faiths. I thought, oh my gosh, these kids have got amazing questions. And then right at the end of the day, One of the year six children came up to me and he said to me, do you know what? In recent months, I've been thinking quite a lot about the Christian faith and my parents aren't Christians, but my granny is and she sometimes prays with me. And I've been thinking about it and I've been doing a little bit of reading. Bearing in mind he's 10. (laughs) I've been doing a little bit of reading about it and I've been, do you know, I've been trying to pray like in the evenings, trying to just reach out to God and find out if he's there. And and listening to you today and listening to all of your answers, do you know, I've decided that I'd really like to be a Christian. Could you maybe help me to do that? How do I need to do that? I was completely blown away. I said, great, let's do it now. (laughs) Why not become a Christian now? When I think about Stephen and I think about knowledge and insight, I think about that child, I think actually he had amazing knowledge and insight. And he was 10. He'd been exposing himself to information about faith. He'd been thinking about it. He's been exploring prayer. He had spades of wisdom and knowledge and insight to get to the point where he would approach me and say, actually, I've weighed this up and... I'd quite like to be a Christian. How do we get wise? Well, I think there's something about being curious that helps us to grow in wisdom. I imagine Stephen as a young man like this boy that I met on the RE day, asking questions, being curious, trying to explore faith in all of its broadest forms. And if you read on into chapter 7, you see the fruit of that in Stephen's life. He was a young man, and yet he speaks in chapter 7 to the Jewish religious leaders with such authority and clarity and wisdom. You don't need to be old to be wise. You need to be curious, and I think you need to think about what you believe and to constantly fill yourself with new information and insights. I I find that one sermon a week isn't enough for me. So I listen to a sermon often when I'm at St. Stephen's, but then I'm pushing myself to listen to maybe one or two other sermons in the week. That's the gift to us of podcasts that we can fill our minds. I pray, Jesus, would you grow wisdom in me. Wisdom isn't something that just drops from the sky. It's something that grows in us as we ask questions and seek to learn. So Stephen was full of grace and power, and Stephen was full of wisdom. But what happens next? We didn't have chapter 7 read to us. I think Joe might go on as he closes the series next week to perhaps talk a little bit about what happens next. But to summarize for you, Stephen faces great persecution and attack. 
He speaks out in chapter 7 the story of Jesus Christ. And in response, he's shouted at. He's physically beaten. And then he is killed. It's brutal. He was 29. And reflecting on this again this week, I was drawn to the second point of your vision. Like Jesus. Stephen was full of grace and power. It says in the text we had read today that when he opened his mouth, he spoke as an angel. He was like Jesus in that sense. But looked at another way, he was also like Jesus in that he was killed for his faith. Just on my heart that I should say this morning that in your vision and desire to be more like Jesus within the life of this church, of course you will grow to be more like him in character. But it's also important to be real to the fact that that will not be without its difficulty. To become like Jesus also means at times to face the trials that he did, to maybe experience some of the insult or the ridicule that Jesus experience. I think if we're doing the Jesus stuff properly, maybe this is par for the course. But again, to my first point, if that's what maybe we should anticipate as people who are wanting to be like Jesus, that's why we must do it together. You can imagine Stephen facing this horrific persecution, and yet with the other's around him together he was so rooted in deep christian community the final thing i'd love to say this morning is that what happens after stephen's death is quite remarkable from this point onwards the church scattered scattered to the ends of the earth The church grows and multiplies as the gospel is taken far and wide. That's the last part of your vision, isn't it? With Jesus, like Jesus, for everyone. Stephen's fullness and his wisdom had impact far beyond his 29 years on earth. And what he does sets in motion a scattering of the early believers in mission. Mission which is extraordinarily fruitful. It's almost as if this massive speech he gives in chapter 7 is like fuel for the fire of all that happens next in mission. But it's so important, isn't it, that this mission, this part of your vision statement here at All Souls about being for everyone, is seen in the context of what happens before. It's important to remember that that's the third point of your vision and that there's other stuff that needs to happen first. Let me try and explain what I mean. Earlier this week when I was at Alpha, I was having a conversation with one of the guests on our Alpha course. And she said to me, Rachel, is it not just all about doing good with the good that is in us? 
She said, all of us have gold in us, so why don't we just use the gold that is in us and do good things? That's my understanding, she said, of what it means to sort of have faith. It's just to do the good things with the gold that's in us. And I tried in the best way I could to say, of course, but do we not fail all the time? Because often what pours out of us isn't the gold and isn't the good. The Bible teaches that we don't quite have the capacity to do the good we long to do. Jesus was a savior because we needed a savior, because we need help with doing the good and drawing the gold that God has given us out of us. Jesus was full because he acknowledged his need of a savior. And he recognized that without Jesus filling him, he would be empty. Time spent with Jesus and in the scriptures meant that he was full to go. For then, when the rest of the church was scattered, they were full of all that Jesus had given them. So what I'm trying to say is that in all that God is calling you to do, where you are for everyone, where you want to do the good, all of that is fantastic. But what needs to come first is the filling of God's work in us as we become more like him. I think there's sometimes a danger that we so want to go and do the stuff to seek out what is it that God is calling us to do in our parish to bless others. And all, that's a great question to ask. But the bit that comes before where we are filled with, as Stephen was, grace and power and wisdom is so important and can't be rushed. Because if we don't do that, we've got nothing to give. I wonder if, as I close, I might be able to pray for two particular groups of people that God has laid on my heart this morning. I started off by talking about how we need to do things together, and that's what it seems to me the early church teaches us as we read this narrative through. I wonder if the Spirit was perhaps just nudging one or two people here this morning who just feel like, gosh, I need some encouragement to keep on going, doing stuff together. Or maybe there's even a new thing that you could start doing stuff together with others in this church community. But secondly, I wondered if there's some people here this morning who think, gosh, listening to the life of Stephen, full of grace and full of power and full of wisdom, gosh, I feel that I need some of that. I feel that I need to be filled. I feel that my sponge isn't even close to the bath in getting submerged in the water that would pour out of me. I need to be refilled. Can I invite you to stand just as I maybe pray for us this morning? I might encourage you just to close your eyes. <clears throat> you might want to hold your hands out in front of you just as a, 
a sign of saying, Jesus, I'm here, I'm willing to hear from you and to meet with you this morning. I always say it's St. Stephen's. I hope, Joe, forgive me for saying this here. If I could be so bold, I always say it's St. Stephen's. This is the most important part of our service, where we make space for the Spirit to speak to us and for us to respond. So firstly, perhaps there's one or two people here who needed that encouragement to keep going together with others. If that's you this morning, just receive the Lord's encouragement over what you are doing. There's maybe others that heard that little word as a bit of a nudge. Maybe God is saying to you this morning, you need to do some more stuff together, together with others. And if that's you in your own way, just respond to that nudging. Say, Lord, show me what that might look like. And then I wonder if um, with this second little prayer, I might ask you to, if you really feel, actually, I, I need to be filled. I would love to be like Stephen, full again of grace and power and wisdom. Might be one in particular that you long for, or you might just think, do you know what, I need all of them. <laughs> I want to pray for you specifically. And I want to encourage you, if, if that resonates, would you just raise your hand this morning? You don't have to raise it right in the sky. Just raise it. As, it's just a little sign of saying, yeah, that's me. Well done. That's great. Well done. Oh, Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for these people who have raised their hand and said, Jesus, I need you to fill me afresh this morning. Lord, you know their hearts. You know their desires. And I pray in the power of the Holy Spirit that you would fill them with what they long for. Pour out your grace and power and wisdom. And I pray that even in this week that those who've responded this morning would see those gifts in their lives, see the fruit of that in their hearts. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your spirit at work in this place.